All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have an Uncle Strip here with my brother, quite literally, literally and figuratively, Mr. Kylan Stribling. And today we're going to be talking yes, about the basically recapping and going over um, our thoughts on the NFL draft that just happened not that long ago. So I'm going to go ahead and let you take the floor first. Um. So the draft was very interesting. Um, we learned a lot in this draft. I want to say this draft was probably, I would say, more exciting than last draft class. There was a lot of good talent that came in, and I'm 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 happy that I can talk to uh finest today about it. We're about to see what 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 teams you're feeling, what teams you're not feeling, and really get into it. So, do you want to go over what we talked about about three winners, three losers, and then some interesting teams? Yeah, yeah, we can right. we can do that. Sure. Okay. I'll start off with my number one team that I think won. I have their grade. And I went through and graded my top three, my bottom three, and I graded my interesting uh teams. So my top winner, I got Eagles at a 99%. Um, Eagles needed a running back edge and a cornerback. They went out and got their edge, they got a cornerback. Um, but they, one of their needs was also – the reason why I don't have them as a perfect 100 is because they needed a running back and they didn't go and draft a running back. Um, not necessarily not necessarily saying that they have to draft a running back to fix running back problems if you want to view them as problems because they could also do that through free agency. And I haven't been keeping up with much trades this offseason, so they might have already uh, uh, answered that. But just from a strictly drafting perspective um i i got them high uh, as my my number one team uh winning the draft because they just added you know jalen carter nolan smith are you talking about monsters on an already stout defense you're just adding playmaking depth and then you get to tighten up that secondary um tighten up the secondary with the the was it keely ring ringo ringo and the safety uh sydney brown that they got. So they, they went heavy defense in their draft, which is, you know, it's good. I think yeah. I just would have liked to see them draft a running back at, at, at all those picks. But well, um my thing is I completely agree with you. I mean, let's stay on the topic for the Eagles. Um the Eagles had an amazing draft. Um uh, um they absolutely went crazy again this year. Um, and, and to touch on the point about the running back, I didn't mind them not getting a running back, just in the same fact that they got uh, Devontae Swift from the Lions. Um, That's right. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, and 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 so, I, I mean, I understand they still filled that hole in the draft by, by trading with the Detroit Lions to get De, uh, Devontae uh, Swift. I think he's going to fit in perfectly. I think the running attack, is going to be phenomenal. Uh, you look at the defensive line, they just um, pretty much drafted best value this entire draft, which um, if we start looking at it, uh, I think most teams might start trying to do that formula of just drive, drafting what's best. I think it really comes to a middle ground. If You you just have to kind of evaluate your team to see if you're going to draft for needs, you're going to draft for value. But if you look at here with the Eagles, this is just straight value picks. Now, 
the weakness of the roster right now is for sure safety on the team. I think Sidney Brown, I had him as my number one true safety in the NFL draft. I mean, you did have Jordan Battle, um, which I had top three. You had Branch, which was top three for me as as well. But when I look at Branch, he's more of a slot corner um, uh, play in the box. Like he's kind of like a safe, yeah, nickel safety hybrid, mm-hmm. which in in uh, in the NFL, a Nikki a nickel safety uh hybrid, they haven't been too valuable. I mean, but you you do see stars like Buda Baker um very mm-hmm. driving that role. So um he was that for me, but Jordan Battle's more of a strong safety. You're not gonna put him up against slot receivers. I'd be very scared if you have Jordan Battle on Tyreek Hill all game. He's definitely going to be guarding safeties. I think he's going to be more of a zone player and uh, and, and definitely help out in the run. But I really have Sidney Brown. He's an all-around safety. He's, he's your true. He's going to be a versatile, can play free and play strong. Tavon Wallace uh, and Reed Blankenship, I think, are the only two safeties on the roster right now that they have projected starting. Kayvon Wallace, Sidney Brown can easily win that win that position battle right there. I mean, Reed Blankenship beat out Kayvon Wallace last year, and he was an undrafted free agent. So um, I think Sidney Brown fills that role. I think they're going to use Kayla, Kayla, uh, uh, Kaylee Ringo. I think they're going to use him and actually have him more playing safety uh, than people think. I think he's actually going to be a great safety. They move him. He's going to have that uh, be really athletic for the safety position. He has the size for it as well. So I think two of those pickups, two of those picks, is really underrated, underrated draft draft picks that people kind of sleep on. Um, obviously, Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter, um, but then Tanner McKee, uh, a, a solid backup NFL quarterback. quarterback that they picked up in the sixth round. I mean, you know, with Garden Minshew leaving. You kind of got to replace that uh, uh, backup quarterback role. But, yeah, it's they just knocked out the park. I think it's a 100. I don't see how you can really do any better or do uh, uh, any less in, in that draft with the picks they had. Yeah, upon reevaluation, if I had remember about them getting swift, I probably would have put them at 100. I, I completely forgot about that. All right, so going on to my number two, my number two uh, – graded out team for the draft. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have them at about a 95. Needs were offensive tackle, outside linebacker, D-line, cornerback. They went and got offensive tackle, corner, defensive tackle, tight end, linebacker, corner, and they got a guard slash offensive tackle in Spencer Anderson. So they were really heavy on the defensive side. And as we saw with Pittsburgh, you know, they struggled defensively. Um, Inter, you know, this past season. So I think them restructuring or really uh, solid, get it, building a strong foundation on their defense uh, will probably be very beneficial to to the team this year. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Um, Broderick Jones was a need for sure at offensive tackle for them. Uh, it's it's an interesting um, kind of division. Honestly, the the um, um, their division with uh, the um, – who, who's in their division again? The Bengals. Right. Uh, yes. I think. Yeah. The a- AFC North. Yeah. The Bengals uh, um, and the Ravens. They're in a gr- an interesting division, but I think they they definitely did well by getting Broderick Jones. It's kind of a no brainer. Everybody knew everybody knew if he was available, he was going to get picked by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think really the two picks I would say that really impressed me was uh Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice. Uh if you put on Corey Trice's film, he's an absolute dog. Uh really underrated corner. I think he has the potential 
to be a great nickel corner in the NFL. So you're getting a seventh round pick. You're getting a potential starter um, for your seventh round pick. I think he can be a starter. But having Corey Trice work more the slot, Joey Porter working outside, um, which, you know, his big negative was he never really played slot corner. So people don't really know how diverse uh, how diverse he is and can he play in the slot. But, I mean, I feel like you don't have to really put him in the slot. If you have a Corey Trice in the slot and then right. you it have – uh, Yeah, it makes up for that. So, I think it that complements getting Joey Porter. So, I think their defense is looking looking a lot better. I mean, uh, Cameron Sutton leaving and, and Joey Porter Jr., which I think has a lot more upside um, and potential. Uh, um, really, it's, it's I think it's a great uh, class as well. And I, I would say Pittsburgh Steelers. Is number two. I can understand some people putting the Texans at number two, but I mean, it's the Texans. Their roster is so terrible. I I would say literally, if they didn't come from this draft without seeing being seen as winners of the draft in some in some way, they they uh, royally messed up. So that's my take on that. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, and I and so going on to my number three, it was between. Uh, so my number three is going to be the Colts that I have graded out 91. And just behind the Colts, I believe it would have been the Texans, if I remember correctly. Um, but I have Colts graded out 91. Uh, they needed a quarterback, cornerback, and offensive tackle. Obviously, they got Ant uh, Anthony Richardson, which uh, prospectfully, prospect-wise, he was viewed as having the highest ceiling out of the quarterbacks in this, in this draft. Uh, they got corner. So I'm just going to go through – you know, the the positions they drafted. I'm not going to necessarily say everybody's name, but I have their names. Uh, Anthony Richardson, quarterback. Uh, they got a cornerback, defensive back, cornerback, receiver, offensive tackle, defensive tackle, another corner, safety, tight end, running back, linebacker, corner, offensive tackle. And one reason why I graded them so high is just the sheer amount of picks that they had for the draft. When you have this many picks, you, you can fix a lot of, weaknesses or, or or problems that you're having pretty, pretty pretty well. You get some offense, you get some defense, you can dabble here and there. I mean, you got a, a plethora of picks. It's kind of hard to have a bad draft when if you have – it's possible, but it's harder mm -hmm. to have a bad draft when you have this many picks. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I definitely understand. Uh, with so many picks, you know, you throw so many darts, it's kind of like a shotgun. You, you shoot it at one target and just hope, hope. – uh, some stick. So uh, we're probably going to look back and say, yeah, you know, uh, there's some guys out of this draft class for the Colts that are that were really impactful to their team. It's probably going to be good players moving. But um, the Colts, it was kind of it was definitely the Colts were were up there. Um, but I, I definitely think they have some picks. I kind of I don't really think are going to pan out too well. But at the same time, I think they have a lot of good val some good value picks and some picks I think can do very well. Like Julius Brents, I think he's gonna be uh he's gonna develop. I think it's gonna take time. I think he's gonna struggle his rookie year. Um, but he luckily for him, he's in the AFC South. And uh when it comes to receivers, the AFC South is not known to, you know, have the best receivers. So it's not like he's gonna struggle that much in division play. Um <clears throat> but Julian Brents. I think he's going to be a developmental corner. You're going to see two or three years if a team, if the Colts are patient with him, he's going to show tremendous upside and, and develop into a good corner. Um, Anthony Richardson, um, it, it's it, it's probably the biggest talk around the draft 
or and it's going to be a huge talk going into next season about Anthony Richardson and how good he's going to be and what he's going to do. Um, I have extreme concerns for Anthony Richardson, me personally, just because of the lack of experience he has in college. I actually went and saw him play when I, I went to University of Tennessee and watched him play against UT. And, I mean, he's a good quarterback. He can scramble. But I feel like there's a lot he needs to develop on. I say his his at best trajectory is Josh Allen, where he's pretty – he's not good, and then he gets better and better each year. And by year three or four, he's looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Right, um, Yeah, he's developmental. I wish that they had a, 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 a plan for him moving forward into making sure he eases into and gives him time to develop. But hearing from uh, the Colts, I think I saw on Twitter, they people around the team are saying he's going to start. He's an automatic starter day one. And that concerns me a lot just because I don't think he should really be thrown out there to lose a couple games, throw a couple interceptions, and then he loses confidence. And then he kind of stays in a, a, a shell where he's, he's just not a confident quarterback, right? So either he needs to have the support system to really um, be with him when he throws two picks in a, a two-pick game or when he has a season where he threw 11, 10 picks to where a coaching staff and an organization is going to be supportive of him through his learning process because there's definitely going to be a learning process for sure. Um, but to, to touch on the highlights, Josh Downs out of North Carolina, that's a good pickup, a good slot receiver. They just they picked up. Um, also, a steal, I think, is Jalen Jones at corner as well. I had him really – real late. Yeah, I, I had I had him really graded out as like a third or fourth round pick. I'll have to look at his pro day and his numbers because him sliding to the seventh round is I, – I really didn't understand that. But it, it was probably maybe due to something in his pro day or, or something that happened. But when I watched this film, he, he seemed like a very – good corner I think on some teams Jalen Jones could be a number two corner on other teams I think he'd be more of a death rotational piece but if someone if one of your corners get hurt and Jalen Jones in the game I wouldn't I wouldn't really be too worried I feel like he could hold his own for sure all righty now now we're going to go to the losers we're going to start with the third from the bottom so the last team will be the the losers of the draft so I have graded out at 65 is the Washington Commanders. Is the Washington wow. – wait, no. No, I have the Cardinals. I have the Arizona Cardinals graded out as a 67. The Commanders is, is next. Um, They need an offensive line, offensive tackle, corner, and receiver. Uh, They went out and got the things they needed, unlike the rest of the list for the losers, which blows my mind. But it just seemed like some of the picks – um. Some of the picks that they got, it just it just wasn't really what I was expecting from the Cardinals. Just simply, you know, it seemed like they kind of went heavy defense, which as a defensive-minded person, I, I try not to harp on any – I try not to go in on somebody too hard for, you know, trying to strengthen your defense because defense wins championships. But when your offense has been such a problem this past season, you would think they would have focused a tad bit more on an explosive – offensive uh firepower which I mean yes they got uh Johnson Jr. at offensive tackle because Kyler Murray was out there running for his life last year. So they mm -hmm. gotta get they gotta get him some protection, get him more time in the pocket to make more throws. But then a lot you got an edge corner, a linebacker, another corner, defensive tackle, which again, 
I don't want to make it seem like drafting defense is bad, but when your offense struggles that much, it seems like counter, you know, productive to go so heavy on defense in the draft, especially when I believe, I don't know if it's beneficial, but I do believe that uh, Arizona is floating around trading D hop to the Ravens. So it's like, now you're going to lose your number one or two receiver on top of all of that with Kyler Murray, you know, having the tr struggles he had, uh, especially the second half of that season. I have them great out of 67. 67. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, we this might be our first disagreement. Um, I think I think what the Cardinals are trying to do. Obviously, they they traded in, from the first round, so they they're stack they're stacking up to have a great draft next year because they have a lot of picks and a lot of high quality picks next year because of the trades they made. But um, Paris Johnson Jr. probably has the most the highest ceiling out of any offensive tackle in the draft. So I mean that shores up that shores up and helps the offensive line most definitely. Now the edge out of L, uh, LSU, uh, BJ, um, I thought he was more of the most overrated edges, and we've seen this type of player um, be in the Cardinals defense, more of a speed rusher mm -hmm. and athletic uh, defensive end. So um, I've seen even better prospects uh, than BJ go to the Arizona roster and they haven't done much. Um so I really think I really don't know if he's gonna pan out or not, but I, I really kind of feel mid about that pick. Um and then Garrett Williams, I feel like is a great pickup from Syracuse. I think he's a second round corner. I think he's a number two corner on the Cardinals, he might be their best corner day one, in my opinion. And then Michael Wilson out of Stanford, extremely underrated receiver, great at route running, has great hands. He re really reminds me a lot of Stephon Diggs coming out. But the biggest thing with Michael Wilson is that he's in college. He was always hurt. Um, he was he's very injury prone. But if he can stay healthy, he can be a, he almost could be a, a number one receiver for you. But I really don't think that's where the Cardinals really suffer from is firepower. Um, on their team, I don't think they've never ever since Kai Murray got there. I really think they never really um, um, was lacking in that department of firepower. I really think it's defense. Um, and when I see here, really the only defensive player I really like out of this class is G Garrett Williams. So that's why they're not too high on my board. I wouldn't say they're my top three worst, but it's kind of middle of the ground to me. And I think they have a potential to really do well next year's draft fair enough fair enough mm -hmm. fair enough now moving to that second team the commanders i graded out at 65 and the next two teams i've highlighted some very important things but one there's and i highlighted there's three needs so with every team i have the needs that they needed and what positions they draft and generally most teams draft within their needs Commanders needed a corner, offensive tackle. They needed a quarterback. Let's be honest. It's probably like it is. They need a quarterback. Whether it's a backup or what, but they need a quarterback. They drafted the corner. They drafted offensive tackle, safety, a guard, edge, running back, edge. They did not draft a need. <laughs> so, yeah. so just that alone, which I believe – they're one of the only few teams that didn't draft a need, which 
that's why they graded out at 65. Um, mm -hmm. but the but they did go defense heavy, which with the commanders, I mean, they're they're you know they're already. <laughs> they, I mean, last season, yeah. I, I think they get better. But we're talking about grading a specific draft. Just this draft, just looking at it, the grading out of it, it's it's sixty five. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say they're they're definitely bottom three. That I mean, their draft class was uh, absolutely. Um, it wasn't a tr like historically bad. I think the only two picks I like uh, were Ricky uh, uh, Stromberg from the center from Arkansas. Right. I thought he was definitely a good, a very a great center for a third round pick. I think he's he he's a great third round pick at center, and then I just like uh uh Chris Rodriguez Jr. the running back out of Kentucky. Right. I think he broke a lot of records at Kentucky at running back. He's a I think he's he's the best power back. He was the best power back in the draft, in my opinion. He he didn't go down on the first hit. Obviously, he does. He's not a home run hitter. I think he's a a a, a pure traditional power back, old school. And uh, I mean, I, I like I like that they got him. Um, but I feel like the commanders, it really wasn't their rushing. Uh, uh, their run attack was uh, the weak spot of their team. I think, like you said, uh, uh, the quarterback position, how they're going to give them opportunity. Um, I can't disagree with that. Like, I can't I can't sit here and say that's terrible. Don't go with him. But like because I'm really about giving people an opportunity, like give them a whole season saying you're going to be our guy train up, learn the playbook, give him a year to where we can see what he can do. Um, and that's what they're sticking by. And and so I'm not really going to uh, fault him for that. But Emmanuel Forbes, first-round pick, I think it's absolutely absurd. I, I mean, weighing 166 pounds at cornerback <laughs> playing in the NFL, I'm, like, I don't care. They're like, oh, he's a coverage corner. Uh, da, da, da. Like, I'm like, I understand he's a coverage corner. But even as a coverage corner – you got to think of the wear and tear in your body in college football compared to the NFL. If he plays, plays all the preseason games, he plays, let's say they go to playoffs and they go to Super Bowl, you know how many weeks that is? That's like, what is that? Like 20, like tw 20 something. Like 20, yeah, and what is college football? I mean, what what is it, like 13? Well, 13 maybe? if you go bowl, yeah. Yeah, bowl, and then if you're in the playoffs, I guess it's like 14. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it is – 10 to like 12 more weeks and you're going to have to have your body ready to do that for a longer time. And do I think Emmanuel Forbes will be a good player? No, I mean, he has the potential when he gets on the field to do well, but will he stay on the field the whole season? Probably not. So <laughs> I, I think Emmanuel Forbes now, I'm not saying he should have not been a first round pick. I think a team that would like to add depth at cornerback, um, Emmanuel Forbes would be a good pick just because he can give you a lot of talent in the cornerback room if you already have talent because I wouldn't rely for him to be the best person in my secondary when most likely there's a pretty high chance he's not going to be there every game. And and uh, so, I mean, I, I don't understand that first-round pick, but, I mean, I've had people debate me on, on Emmanuel Forbes, but but that's just my opinion. All right, <laughs> getting to the last of the of the uh, the bottom grading, I have the Patriots, and it's a it's an interesting 
for me, it's an interesting grade because they have a plethora of picks. They have, if I'm looking, this three, six, nine. They had 12 draft picks. And like I mentioned earlier, it's kind of hard to have a bad draft when you have so many picks. Well, the Patriots found a way. Patriots needed a corner, offensive tackle, receiver, outside linebacker. They had four needs, four areas of needs. They didn't draft two of those areas with 12 picks. They did not draft the offensive tackle. They drafted two guards. They didn't draft an offensive tackle, which I'll, I'll give them that. That might be a, a, a mute point because obviously you can move guys. So some guys that get drafted as guards might get moved to tackle. Or they have guys now that can move to tackle and they draft guards because of that. I'll give them that one. But they did not draft a linebacker. And we saw that defense last year. Mm -hmm. They needed help, and they needed help in the run game to stop the run game. They needed linebacker. Now they did pick up a defensive tackle, a uh, white, which I thought was a uh, was a decent pickup, but no linebacker. So I have them graded out as a, at, a, at a sixty. I thought Kayon White was an outside linebacker. Yeah, uh, he was drafted as a D tackle. Again, I, yeah, I, mean, I I don't know what they're doing. They obviously <laughs> now here's the thing with the Patriots. They are known for drafting unorthodoxly and moving things around to fit their system. So he, even the uh, Keon White might be listed as a D tackle. They might move him to an outside linebacker. That's your linebacker. And then these two guards with the offensive line they have now, they can work in that tackle position. I mean, it is the Patriots. So yeah, I, I contextually, you know, I might give them some leniency, but I was looking at just strictly the – the, the draft, not any extra context to 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 anything else. But yeah. yeah, I would say they're they're definitely mid lower tier. I wouldn't I wouldn't say they're 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 the last just because we still have the Jaguars and the Cowboys exist. But Christian Gonzalez is a steal in my opinion. Um I don't know how people keep on letting the Patriots get away with getting good cornerbacks, but uh I mean, it's. I think it's a good fit just because I feel like Christian Gonzalez literally went to the right organization to develop him correctly because his biggest con is that he's not the best run fitter and willing tackler, while the Patriots are known and to coach very willing tacklers on in their secondary and good open field tacklers and very smart DBs, right? So I think he's going to get that development, and if he and if he applies himself to the run game and and they coach that in him, um, he's gonna the sky's gonna be a limit for Christian Gonzalez. But unfortunately, he's probably gonna do really good, and then the Patriots not gonna pay him, and he's gonna go to some other organization. Um, Marte Mapu from Sacramento State. Um, I have a friend. Uh, he he. Uh, we play college ball together. He he played at Sacramento State, uh, last year, and and he was just saying how, you know, uh, amazing uh, he was on Twitter. I think he just, just mentioned it out when he got drafted. So then I kind of was interested, so I looked him up, and he's actually a really great player, like amazing, probably the best FCS linebacker uh, in the country last year. And um, so I think that's a great pick there, um, just Chris Gonzalez and Marte Mapu. Now, Keon White, I he has – a lot of potential, but he's kind of like a project. I would say he was like when it comes to defense, he was kind of like the Anthony Richardson of defense a little bit. Like he has a he could be really good, but he has a lot of things to fix up before he gets that way. So Keon White, I feel like he might 
not have the best rookie season, but I think as time years go by, he's going to definitely be a player that's going to add some value to the roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, every other pick I see that they took, I mean, it, it's kind of like, all right, it's, it's okay. Um, but it's nothing spectacular at all. I don't really see any sleepers. I don't really see any people that's going to be very impactful to the team to put them over the hump in that division. So, yeah, I mean, I understand it's, it's definitely, a, it was kind of like a boring draft besides the Gonzalez pick, but, um, kind of unorthodox what you said. Right. <laughs> All right, so now we have the interesting teams. So these aren't necessarily winners or losers, teams I found interesting, but I did give them a grade. Um, let's start from the bottom up. So one of – I got Los Angeles Rams. I got them graded out as an 82%. They need a receiver, outside linebacker, offensive tackle. They had uh, quite a few picks, and they, they got offensive – they got a couple of offensive linemen. Um, they did go out and get some linebackers, I believe. My notes at. I did they well, they didn't draft any uh any linebackers in the sense of uh what's it called? Designated linebackers. They drafted some safeties and some uh and a defensive tackle. But anyway, I have them at an 82. But the reason why they were interesting to me is because they got Stenson Bennett. Uh, at quarterback with the uh, Matthew Stafford. Now, I'm not saying, you know, their drafting sense have been to replace Stafford, but it is going to be an interesting dynamic because we've seen that if you get Stinson, uh, it's been an opportunity to go out there and make plays. I think it just makes, to me, it's interesting how that all plays out at the quarterback position. Um, but then, you know, they, they drafted, uh, they drafted some DBs. I don't know. Uh, they drafted a cornerback late, which because I, because uh, didn't the isn't Jalen Ramsey gone? Right, he's not with the Rams no more. Right, so he's not. He's not with the Rams. He's with the the Dolphins now. Miami, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I I was curious to see if they were gonna draft a, a corner a little higher to to fill that gap because Jalen Ramsey that, that's a big gap. That's a big gap to fill defensively. Mm -hmm. um, and they did end up getting a corner. It was a little late, but I just thought that was interesting, especially the sense of bidding. I know a lot of people say he's he's not an NFL quarterback. Um, some people had him as a draftable quarterback. Some people didn't think. It was just because Georgia has these stellar – you know, Georgia's such a great team. You can put any quarterback in there, and, you know. So they were trying to take away from since it's been his actual, you know, throwing and quarterback ability. It was just mm -hmm. interesting to see him go there. Yeah, Um. I totally agree. Uh, I, to just touch a little bit on that before I, I tell you one of my interesting teams. Um, yeah, I think it's just like the Rams can't get everything in one draft because they definitely need – pretty much their need is their whole team. First of all, they barely have a roster. They don't they, – well, how many people they have on the team right now? Like 60-something? They don't have that many players on the team, okay? Right. And so um, – you're not going to get it all in this draft, but I think there are some key points. I think the Stetson Bennett, the Miles Murphy, the uh, um, who they get, the cornerback out of TCU who won the best defensive player of the year in college football last year. Um, I think I think all of those pieces. Are you, talking, are you talking about Hodges Thompson? Who's yeah, it? Hodges Thompson. Yeah. yeah. I, did I say Miles Murphy for him? Because I think he's for the Bengals. 
Yeah, he's for the yeah, Bengals. I think he's yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about the Bengals already, but uh, yeah, I'm I, I feel like they got some good pieces and uh, some good picks, especially for not having a first round pick. It was a pretty good draft class for them. So yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how how they're gonna go about their roster situation um for the next coming years, and we completely agree. But the team I have as uh one of my interesting teams will have to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, very interesting what they're doing here. They got Miles Murphy from defensive end. I think, I think he was probably the most overrated defensive end in the first round. Um, but I, I, you can't be mad at getting Miles Murphy on the 28th pick in the first round. Um, he adds a lot of speed to your pass rushing. You, you know that I feel like, right. Uh, the Bengals defensive line, they're really just lacking speed. I feel like they don't have that much speed at all. Um, and then DJ Turner from Michigan, a great cornerback. I think he he steps on the team and, and makes their secondary even better. Um, I really love that uh, pick for the Bengals. Uh, Jordan Battle, safety out of Alabama. I really love that pick as well. Um, just being getting another uh, safety in the trenches um, um, for the Bengals to really uh, sure up that run uh, run defense that I feel like sometimes can be spotty. So I think Jordan Battle is going to be a great uh, player. And I think for the type of um, uh, teams in that division, when it comes to Mike Andrews, when you look at the uh, all the pretty – a lot of good tight ends in that division, um, I think Jordan Battle can do well against them. Uh, Charlie Jones, really underrated receiver out of Purdue. Probably – I think I think he was definitely top three uh, best Big Ten receivers – uh, last year, and that's having Ohio State and uh, uh, Michigan receivers included. Um, I think he had the most receptions on any Big Ten receiver. Really great quality pick for Joe Burrow. That's absolutely insane that he goes to the Bengals. They're going to have Jamar Chase, Charlie Jones, uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. It's going to and and I really think Charlie Jones might surprise people, and they might let Tyler Tyler Boyd go potentially to make up some room for that big Joe Burrow contract and keep Charlie Jones because because Charlie Jones could replace Tyler Boyd and be a great addition. Chase Brown out of Illinois, another great uh, pick. Um, it kind of concerned me because I really love uh, Chase Brown um, as a prospect. I thought he was very interesting, and I I was praying he went to a team that could utilize his talents well. The only thing that would concern is Chase Brown and uh, Joe Mixon kind of have the same run style and, and play style. So it's going to be very interesting how that happens, like a one-two punch. But uh, with Piron going, I thought they should have maybe went to get more of a power back. But Chase Brown and, and Joe Mixon, I think it'd still be a good combination. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just a lot of prospects I really enjoyed and I really thought were really underrated prospects and really good. Um, all seem to all go to the to the Bengals. I'm just like, wow, it's gonna be interesting to see how that draft class turns out because I really like a lot of a lot of uh, players they drafted. Yeah, Bengals got contenders for sure, definitely contenders. Now, my second interesting team was the Baltimore Ravens. I had them graded out as an 89 percent needed receivers, which you could argue uh, that they maybe didn't I mean, receivers, D line, offensive line. Um, they got linebacker, edge, cornerback, and two uh, offensive linemen. Uh, and I just think it's interesting because you have Lamar resigning, which I knew he was going to resign. He wasn't going to play anywhere else. You have Odell Beckham Jr. signing to Baltimore. You got Brandon Cooks that's at Baltimore now. 
And then you have rumors of D-Hop potentially making his way to the Ravens. And then they go out and get Zay Flowers from Boston College. He's not a super explosive guy. He had a, over 1,000 yards receiving last year, 12 touchdowns. He's not going to – I don't think he's going to come in and change the game right away. But when you got him paired with uh, that receiving core room, it's I think – it's going to be, and then you also got the two offensive linemen to give Lamar Jackson more uh, protection up front. I think uh, the Baltimore Ravens, I think they have an interest, they're starting to set up a, a very interesting team to really start contending in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And and I think Zay Flowers is just a main staple um, uh, for, for that draft for the Ravens. I think just having Zay Flowers, that receiver, getting drafting him, I think everybody's just going to look back and think of the whole draft class and just sum it up to Zay Flowers. Um, so, I mean, just seeing – I think just solely seeing Zay Flowers and Lamar Jackson, all those receivers and help they gave him in the offseason, just seeing them, how they're going to work and and see if – if get finally getting him receivers, getting him help in regards to the passing attack. Uh, um, it's really – we're really going to see – I think the Ravens is really going to be very interesting to see how they're going to work out. Honestly, my own opinion, I think the Ravens, as long as Lamar Jackson is healthy, is a 10-win team every year, year in, year out. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be seeing the difference in the passing attack with these with with all the talent they're loading up in their receiving room. Um, my interesting team, my next interesting team is the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Devon uh, Witherspoon, uh Cornerback out of Illinois, obviously head and shoulders better than any cornerback in the draft class. Uh, is is one of my favorite cornerback prospects um, in a, in a while, um, and he he's gonna come up, hit you. He's gonna cover you. He's gonna know how to play zone. He's gonna be the smartest defensive back out there. He's an automatic day one starter, legitimate, potentially a future All Pro cornerback. So the Seahawks are have now Woolen and uh, Devon Witherspoon at cornerback as a tandem, and I think they're gonna do crazy this year. I think they're they potentially might be having discussions of Seattle having another Legion of Boom um, in their future. Like that's how that that's how good that pick is. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigma um, at Ohio State. A lot of people sleep on uh, Smith and Jigma just because he he was hurt last year, pretty much all last year. But when he was healthy, just turn on the Rose Bowl tape against Utah. That's all you have to say. He's he's going to step the best slot receiver in the draft class. Um, great pickup for Seattle. Now you have DJ Metcalf, uh, Jackson Smith, and Jigma. Uh, 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 and then you have Tyler Lockett. So, I mean, three solid firepower Gino, with Geno Smith. And then not only that, you have, in my opinion, the most underrated center in the NFL draft which was the center out of Michigan. I really cannot pronounce his name, but it's like Olutomani. I don't know. But all I know is at Michigan, he if we if you looked at all the games when Michigan was running 200 yards against every single team, against Ohio State, against all the power teams, he was running the show. When he was when he was hunkering down and run block, pass blocking, he was holding it down. I think, he, in my opinion, uh, he was either – uh, one or two best safety or centers in the NFL. So not only that, the Seahawks offensive line looks like it's going to have a bright future. I think they're really molding this team to be amazing. Um, and and all we got to do is they have to do now is just get a for sure 
um, franchise quarterback, which, you know, they they have some time to work with with Geno Smith, maybe has about two or three more years. I can see with the team, even though he signed a five year deal. I don't think he'll be there for five years. But, you know, uh, I think it's no rush to get a quarterback. And that's a great position to be in. Yeah, I agree. I, I That was another team I thought was interesting pickups, but I just limited myself to three. So my last interesting team, and, you know, we can't do this podcast without talking about this team. But my last interesting team is the Tennessee Titans. So, you know, as a Titan fan, 615, <laughs> as I was sitting there getting my notes together for the Titans, I was a little salty because I didn't really understand that second round, that second pick, the, the, the yeah, second round. Number 33. I didn't, I couldn't understand it. But when I sit down and I really think about, I'm trying to, I'm starting to, I was thinking from a GM perspective, right? On the, a GM's perspective, thinking about the organization down the road, not just right now. Because the Titans needed an offensive tackle, QB, receiver. And QB is primarily for um, a backup because you're going to play Ryan Tannehill because. He's going to give you a $34 million cap hit. You're not going to play. You're just not going to not play somebody if they're taking a $34 million cap hit onto your, your uh, cap space. So Ryan Tannehill is playing. So obviously this is for backup purposes. And the two quarterbacks they have to choose from as backups is, are young guys, a guy that is going to be in his second year and a guy they just drafted. So, you know, young talent. They got, went and got – first pick, I was not mad at it. Offensive lineman, uh, Peter uh, – his last Skronsky. name, yeah, Skronsky. I was not mad at that at all because I had been harping about the Titans' need to sure up that offensive line because they are a run-heavy. They are a run-heavy team. They need with Derrick Henry's their pride and joy. The run game's their pride and joy. They need to tighten up the offensive line because he didn't have the protection he has had in the in the uh, past few years. wasn't Wasn't mad at that. Quarterback Will Levis. I was a little caught off guard. And the rest of the running back, running back, the rest of the draft, I wasn't too upset. They got running back. So uh, you get like a, because I believe uh, the backup for uh, Derek. uh, I know you're talking about. um, He's no longer there, right? No, he's still there. Well, then maybe Um, I I don't understand the running back. He was a rookie last year. He came out of Michigan. Oh, the rookie. Yeah. Are you well, are you not referring to him? No, I was thinking of the maybe guy from two years ago. Anyway, my 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 memories, I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, they pick <laughs> up running back. I'm not mad at picking up a running back because you do have to get some rotation with Derrick Henry in there because he's not gonna survive. He's not gonna you can't sustain 40 touches a game. And then a tight end, I thought the tight end pickup was good. Um, I'm not familiar with the player, but just position wise, when I look at drafts, I look at position wise. Because when you look at players, sometimes guys that are great don't pan out. And sometimes guys that get draft picked up late that weren't high draft grades end up being great. So I look at the position, not so much the player. So And I was like, tight end pickup, I'm not mad at that. Tight end play is very important. If you can get you a solid tight end, that can help with the pass game and the run game. And then they went and picked up uh, offensive tackle. Again, not mad at that. Get depth in the offensive line. And they picked up receiver, which we need plenty of. We wanted to get rid of our the best receiver we've had in our franchise. We wanted to just get rid of him because we didn't want to pay him. Anyway, all that being said, I wanted to grade the Titans bad. 
I wanted to. I was going to grade, grade them like 70-something, right? They weren't going to be bottom three. But I was thinking about it because, obviously, there's a lot of talk about Malik Willis not really being what we thought, even though I think casting judgment this early is still a little too early. It's only been a season, and the circumstances in which he started, I don't think that's fair to judge him off those games just yet. Wait maybe another year or two, then we can talk about it. But you have Ryan Tannehill, whose contract is coming up. He's got a $34 million cap hit, and he has shown that he can win you games, kind of. He can also lose you games. You know, he's kind of in that middle-of-the-pack quarterback level. And so it's you, you're getting to the point where you got to start thinking about your franchise quarterback because when his contract's up, I don't think he's re-signed or getting an extension with the Titans. When his contract's up, you got to look at who can be your franchise quarterback. And if you're, if you're the GM now and you ask my, if I ask myself, am I comfortable with Malik Willis being our franchise quarterback after this season? I don't know. But when you look at the talent Will Levis did at Kentucky, they might be more comfortable with that two years from now. I'm trying to make it make sense, but I got tied as interesting because I'm just interested to see how the quarterback play turns out with the Titans um, because, you know, we know how the Titans are. Defense is always pretty good. I know they uh, just gave the – the was it Simmons a, a big contract extension? So – and I know their defense, you know, their defense has already been – has usually been what we need them to be for the most part. And it's always been from an offensive standpoint that we, we've had troubles from a passing offensive standpoint. So I'm just – it's interesting to see what, what how, this, how this plays out. Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm gonna stay on the Titans as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to um, really talk about this. Um, so how the Titans are? If we if we contextualize this draft, this this probably and and not figuratively is the best draft class for the Titans. It, it, no, no, I'm just playing. It's <laughs> it's not the best. No, it's definitely the most. It's definitely the most interesting draft class because this is like an, an encryption. Like right. you have to figure this out. Like you have right. to understand the context of everything because yeah. if we look at this as face value and literally like national media, don't trust any national media. Listen to the fans. The fans know what the team needs. If it's a good pick, it's a bad pick. You have these national media people that will. Um, say yeah it's a b plus it's an a plus about the titans if you talk to any titans fan it's either like it varies widely it's like this was amazing draft class and then some people are like this is the worst draft class ever and then like it's so polar that's because it's interesting because it's so polarized right so new gm ron uh what is his name uh ron uh uh, Carthens, new GM comes in with new GM. Thank God we replaced that last GM. Oh my goodness, probably the worst draft you could possibly has as a team last year. But um, so he comes in, fires everybody. Um, wants a new roster. Um, wants to flip it around. Want to make it his own, right? Well, some things I disagreed with. I guess I could be just a huge Titans fan, and I, I really like some players that have been on the team for a while that's been performing very well last year. Not to go that, you know, um, would only be a $3 million cap hit if, if they were on the team. But it, I digress. So I'm thinking is, if we're going to be competitive, if we were, like, really trying to go to the playoffs, first of all, 
It's going to be a hard feat. I mean, you do have one of the probably the best NFL coach as the coach. So you're good in that part. Now, when it comes from a roster perspective, which has always been the problem, it's um, getting rid of everybody, you know, makes things a little bit more complicated. So in free agency, uh, the new GM, he kind of made a bunch of safe picks by um, making sure that the um, offensive line gets a little bit more depth, puts some more depth at linebacker, all those type of things. So um, you can't be – you don't really know his agenda. You don't know – there's no big moves happening. There's not like they're going out getting Deion uh, Hopkins or anything, nothing crazy, or trading Tannehill or, or uh, Derrick Henry away. It's kind of some safe free agent moves to add depth and, and where you need depth at. So I'm thinking going into this draft that the Titans are going to for sure make a move to see where we know the direction of the team. Because right now, when you get rid of all your veterans, your team has no identity whatsoever. You don't even know what team, how the team is going to be a tough team. Is it going to be a soft team? I could just imagine it's going to be more of a tougher team because their coach is still there. But I'm thinking – you got to go off all offensive line, maybe hit defense, the the secondary, because the Titans secondary has always been suspect. Always been suspect. And so you're going to hit, you got to hit a defensive back. You got to get some receiver help. Um, and you got to get offensive line because we had the worst offensive line in the NFL last year. So I was thinking our top four picks were going to be offensive alignment, like three out of our four pick first four picks we're going to be offensive linemen we didn't go that direction disappointing but let's be honest here if the Titans were never have drafted like I told them they should draft to be competitive um for our Super Bowl so with this draft Peter Swarovski obviously a dub um everybody loves that pick you know you know our offensive line is bad when the Titans fan base is happy over offensive line first round pick (laughs) um and never yeah Historically, we hate offensive line at first round pick, but we were happy this time. So, um, Will Levis at quarterback, I understand it. His ceiling is his potential is higher than Ryan Tannehill's potential. But Ryan Tannehill is a very consistent, steady quarterback. Will Levis is not a consistent, steady quarterback, but he has the potential to be a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill when it comes to arm talent, when it comes to athleticism, when it comes to, um, um, Pretty much every aspect of being a quarterback. It's just that he's not there yet. And will he ever get there is the question. Um, Tajay Spears, probably I really love that pick at running back. A lot of people didn't understand that pick. But I think Tajay Spears is great, especially for the Titans type of style. I think he can, he can be a pivotal piece if the Titans look for a different direction away from Derrick Henry. He can be a reliable uh, source for the rush uh, rushing attack. Um, Josh Weil, probably my favorite pick of the whole entire draft for the Titans. Obviously, Peter Sharonsky's my favorite. But, like, when you actually look at the value of the pick, it's really good. Um, You got to think the Titans always have a top 10 offense when they have what? Tight ends. A A good, reliable tight end passing attack. So, Josh Weil is a good tight end. Um, has a great size, great hands, great route running, can block as well. I think he's going to be a good addition with the Konku. Um, I don't know. Hopefully I look on the roster today and Swan's not on it because 
he's absolutely probably one of the worst worst tight ends I've I've ever seen. But <laughs> no, he's not on it. He got he he's not on the team anymore. Good. Okay. Perfect. So. <laughs> 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, how are you going to be a blocking tight end, but then be the graded as the worst blocker out of all tight ends in the NFL? But um, yeah, and then Colton Dow. I mean, I don't know much about Colton Dow. Uh, I have a friend that plays at Moorhead State, and he said he's Colton Dow is a pretty good receiver. We're gonna see. Um, definitely not the pick. I think that's what most Titans fans are angry about the draft class because they really didn't get a good big name receiver, which. <laughs> I understand, but I'd rather have Josh uh, Wool than a receiver because it's not like we use our our receivers anyway. Um, and then Jalen Duncan, offensive tackle, obviously added more depth. That offensive line can never hurt. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Titans do for the next three or four years, honestly. Um, I think they might go a direction of trading Derrick Henry to get some draft capital and maybe – I thought was to get Caleb Williams last year, but we got Will Levis. We're gonna roll with that, but um, it's gonna be interesting to see how they built that roster around with Lewis. Yeah, and then I don't think I ever mentioned, but I ended up grading Titans at an eighty-five with the context, uh, with the context of the quarterback situation. I was like, ah, okay, you know, somewhat a play for the future, even though you you know you have a consistent quarterback now. But uh, that's all I had. Just you know, just top three, bottom three, three interesting picks. I mean, there's a there's a lot of other teams that did well um I saw I do I do saw I did saw uh, I did see somebody had graded the Jets as the worst but then I was like well contextually obviously if you had context they just got Aaron Rodgers which yeah. makes them which makes them astronaut they're automatically playoff contending teams and then I looked at positions that they drafted they went and actually basically the things that Rodgers wanted the Packers to draft for all those years the Jets actually drafted those. They drafted offensive line. They drafted receivers. And they drafted weapons for uh, Rodgers as well as the weapons already there. But, yeah, just a lot of interesting things. I'm excited. This always gets me excited for the season to start, just to see how things play out because, you know, teams that are at the bottom sometimes make their way to the top, like the Eagles. Nobody expected this from the Eagles this past year, things like that. But, yeah. All right, Roseman's that guy. Who? Howie Roseman, their GMs, their that, oh, that yeah. guy. He's that man. Yeah, and then yeah, and then, and then they go from probably the most improved team to then making the Super Bowl to having the best draft. That's how you build dynasties right there. We'll see. Yeah, because obviously we know the, the Chiefs draft is absolutely awful. I don't know what they were doing. Uh, someone needs to have a conversation Bro, with them. Bro, somebody had the Chiefs graded out high. No, I don't know what they're smoking on. <laughs> Uh, literally, the Chiefs are just going to be the Packers part two in about five years. It's literally they're going to sit here, draft terribly for five years straight and sit and not really care because, oh, we have Patrick Mahomes. We're good. And then as soon as as soon as Kelsey retires, they're gonna be like, oh, man. Why are we so bad? <laughs> it's like, yeah, man, maybe you should have drafted, actually been serious when you drafted for five years. That's what the Packers did. The Packers, they're like, they didn't draft a receiver in the first round for like five, six years. It could have been longer than that. But then they're looking around. Why can't Aaron Rodgers make it work in the play? Like maybe uh, he has a bunch of undrafted free agencies thrown too. And you don't 
draft anybody to help him out, even though he's the goat at quarterback, you still need a semblance of a of a competent offensive roster. But you know, we'll see. Um, yeah, that that's what built the tension between Rodgers and the organization. He was because remember in the media he said he wanted them to draft receivers. They even went end up drafting his replacement. Yeah. So you or know. Hopefully the Chiefs don't do that, but uh, how they draft this year, it makes definitely makes it seem like they don't care, and they, they're just saying, yeah, we have Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't matter who we draft. Well, we'll see. Only time will tell, but y'all heard it here first, and you'll hear it here last. This has been another Uncle Strip. Hope you guys appreciate it, or hope you guys enjoyed the cast. Uh, I got to start doing, getting a habit doing this, but like, comment, subscribe. Definitely subscribe, whether you listen to, to YouTube or any of your podcast platforms, because we are trying to grow and uh, and reach more yeah. people. But Show some love. Show some love. Got any socials you want to throw out? Any socials? If you want my sports take, Verse 615. You still I doing verses? Yeah, I, I haven't posted in a minute. I'm going to get back on it right now. I've just been focused on things, grinding on things, trying to get some stuff done. But trust me. It's not dead. Uh, we gonna get back on it. Bet, 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 bet. This has been your uncle Stribs. We are out. All right.